Welcome back to the Macam in the Middle podcast. After another Sunderland game, we are back from what has been our little international break. Obviously, it's been a few games since we last recorded one, um, but we are back for this one, which was away to Burnley on Friday night. A game which did finish 0-0, and Sunderland become the first team in almost a calendar year to keep a clean sheet at Turf Moor, of course, excluding Burnley. I think the last team to do that was Man City in the Premier League. So that is something that we will talk about. Obviously, been a few injuries since the last time we were here to talk about Sunderland. Um, very recently as well, some of which missed the game on Friday. But first and foremost, Michael, it is a game that no one really expected anyone to get anything out of. Um, but we've got a point, and we'll get on to what happened during the game, but it's a point that, at the least, we deserved. It's funny how um, it, it's fitting that I'm on here when we're talking about a clean sheet because everyone knows my stance on that by now. But you're right. We didn't expect anything. It was a complete... Well, yeah, I didn't want to say right off because I think our squad was too good for that term. But I did think it was a free hit. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, who, who really expected us to go? Well, I wouldn't have been shocked had we gone there and got something just because we know what Sunderland are like. We get results where it isn't expected. I am very surprised that we kept Burnley out for 90... Well, 98 minutes, as it turned out, if you add the stoppage time at the end of both halves. But I was very so, so pleasantly surprised that we kept them out. And the point was absolutely deserved. And I think if you look at the results that happened over the weekend, middle I mean, I know Sheffield United won, but Middlesbrough lost. So in a, the point isn't that bad for Burnley in the circumstance. They've gained an extra point over third. And if I'm yeah. right, I think they I think if they beat Middlesbrough in their next game, they then, they're, then they're promoted, aren't they, mathematically? Yeah. So, yeah, that point could, that point, well, I mean, that point's going to pretty much delay the inevitable. Burnley are going to walk the league. Um, it would be take a monumental Sunderland-style collapse for them not to. But we we deserve the point. I think that, in general, our balance was excellent. It's probably the most, one of the most balanced performances I've seen. And what I mean is, obviously, defense, aside from the obvious, defensively, we were superb. I think that a couple of times Burnley got in behind us, but you, you expect that, don't you? They're top of the league. Mm. They're, they're not there for no reason. They do create opportunities. They've steamrolled a lot of teams at Turf Moor. Uh, you only have to look at, say, someone like Wigan, who came up with us. I think they lost 3-0 there a few weeks back. Um, but you look at it, they, they had their chances, and we put bloodies on the line when we had to, but for the most part, we kept them out. And at the other end, that we pressed them, but the difference was that we timed our press almost to perfection because, as you know, if you press the opposition, it, sometimes we've had this before where we press the opposition loads early doors and then we're knackered for the rest of the game. Mm. Whereas if some of them were going to get anything, they had to time the press right, but also had to get it right because if one person gets the press wrong, then straight away you're undone by one through ball. And before the game, there were Burnley fans saying, teams try to sit in against us, doesn't work try to press us, doesn't work. So I was very keen to see how we were going to deal with that. But yeah, to go back to your point after my typical essay long answer, um, we did deserve the point. It was the very least, it would have been very harsh had we come away with nothing. Yeah. Oh, so this was the last... <clears throat> I'll try that again. Oh, so this was the last of pretty much four fixtures that looked incredibly difficult and looked like someone would get nothing out of on paper. Um, obviously I can't actually remember what the last podcast we did was but you know we had Norwich, Sheffield United, Luton, Burnley prior to these games you know you lost to Stoke, lost to Coventry, lost to Rotherham, drew it home to Bristol City so going into this run of fixtures people were pessimistic were, uh, to say the least weren't they? Pessimistic and, and very much a, a spin on it that it was 
going to define the season, really, as to what we got out of these games. And with how we were playing, the injuries, the results we were getting, people weren't particularly optimistic or looking forward to the games. But we won 1-0 away to Norwich. Lost 2-1 at home to Sheffield United, which I don't think we actually did a podcast on that one. But it's fair to say we didn't deserve to lose that game. And I decisions, again, are the reason that we did lose that game. An offside goal, potentially, you know, two or three penalties in that game, which we didn't get given on another day, probably would have been given. Luton at home, you know, obviously I think they're fourth, third. No, they're fourth at the minute. They're only fourth six points minute. off Sheffield United as it stands. Yeah, and obviously we've got a point against them and again a point against Burnley. So M4 fixtures, which a lot of people would have said we'll get zero points from, we've come away with five. five. Should have had at least six. Um, you know, with with that game against Sheffield United, it's a very good return, and obviously we'll get onto it a little bit why it's an even better return and why the result against Burnley was even better than initially thought, but injuries. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to be balanced, I suppose that we say about refereeing decisions, the refereeing decision probably did gain us a point against Luton, but again, when you, if you look at it, people saying they, that things even themselves out, well, for me, that's a load of tosh because I'm still waiting for it to even itself out. Um, yeah. Because I think, I, think be... I said to someone the other day that that Luton penalty and... The Middlesbrough penalty were the two genuine, only two big, you know, match-deciding decisions that have went forward this season. Yeah, and we and we've done this on other podcasts. You want to let you? I mean, I'm pretty sure people don't want to listen, but you know, we've done it countless times over how rubbish the referees are, and and the points all still stand. Something has to be done about that. But for once, to be fair, this was actually a game of the Burnley game where the referee wasn't actually that bad, um, yeah. which is a nice change. That's what that's the sort of standard we, we could to be honest. See. I think, and I think it's probably worth mentioning because we always talk about how shit they are. They, obviously, yeah, I think they, he's they got, uh, right. got most he's, of the big decisions right for me. I mean, if you look at the goal yeah. that we that I think was it Bar or Clark, whichever one of them um, scored yeah. late on, that was that was the correct call. It was offside. I was just not. I said it in my own video. I was annoyed that the Sheffield United one was allowed to stand, but that wasn't. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's by the by. But you're right. Across those four games. I didn't think we'd get no points. I thought we might maybe get spring up a surprise somewhere. But I think if you look at it, if you offered us, what, one defeat in those four games and a defeat that we should have got something out of, um, and you go away to Norwich and Burnley, who are two teams who were two leagues above us last year, and not only keep, keep and not only win one of them, but keep, keep two clean sheets as well, I don't think anyone would have really snubbed their nose at that, or shouldn't have anyway. And yeah. especially with the Burnley one, where, again, a lot of teams, just they've just swamped aside, really. So... To get five points from those games, I think was is a perfect response because after the Stoke game, I think obviously we know about the Alex Neal thing, um, but I think a lot of people rightly questioned the player's character that day. Even though, to be fair, most of this season they have actually shown that they've got spirit and desire, and I think in these four games they've proven it. Um, and it was, and again, I mean, to sort of lead on to the Burnley game, it wasn't like we went there just to silk up pressure and sit back the whole ninety minutes. We actually went yeah. forward and had a couple of decent opportunities ourselves. So. Yeah, over the four games, five points. Yes, please. When, when you look at the average position, the lowest that we faced was seventh, which was Norwich. Yeah, five points is great. Yeah. And quite frankly, there's not that much to talk about through the Burnley game, so I'll try and pad a little bit out here and there where we can. But Ballard was obviously missing for this game. He got in, injured on international duty for Northern Ireland. Um, can I just point out, by the way, that's why I don't like international football. I just don't like international football in general. I just think it's shit, isn't it? Yeah, apart from like internet, apart from actual tournaments, and I'm not talking Nations League, which are just glorified friendlies. I mean, like Euros and World Cups. That aside, I don't, I couldn't give a toss about international games. World Cup, I'll give you that one. I think the rest of them just bin them personally. Fair but that <laughs> is not Burnley Sunderland. So, 
Ballard, like I say, he was missing. He was injured for Northern Ireland in these absolutely irrelevant games. Um, Hugo Nyan obviously started on left back in the previous game. He got moved into centre back. Lyndon Gooch, recently back from injury, gets moved to left back. It is very much a makeshift defence again. You know, you're missing Ballard, you're missing Alisa. Um, obviously, although Sirkin was on the bench, you know, essentially missing him because he's again he's just back from injury as well. He's never going to be starting games yet. So to go to Burnley and become the first team this season to keep a clean sheet there is even more impressive when you take that into consideration. Makeshift defence, that's standard for us. Um, it is. We've, we've had to play literally... The only players, we might as well go and play Joe Gellhart at left back at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you said earlier that there wasn't that much to talk about. And that in itself is a compliment because we expect, I expected Burnley to... Put it this way, we were competing very well in the game. And I think with a makeshift back line to keep out a near full strength Burnley team, I think. I don't think they had anyone that was significant that was missing. Um, to keep them out comfortably as well, for the most part, was 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 a good testament to how they played. But like you said yourself, I mean, we were competing well. But my, I, as I kept watching the game, I kept thinking, but at any moment, they're going to, like a click of a finger, they're going to turn the screw on and be 1-0 up. Um, mm. and, I, and I just kept waiting for that moment to arrive. And obviously, thankfully, it didn't. But that's a testament we did well. And bear in mind, another point to, to mention as well, we had a very young midfield out there, if you look at it. I mean, the two midfielders, was it Dan Neal and Pierre Equa? Combined yeah. age between them is barely making mid-40s. So I think that says alone that, because that was the one thing I was concerned about. And I like Pierre Equa a lot, but I think that was one thing that did strike me a little bit nerve-wracking going into the game, that I felt like this is not the game to play someone like him, but I suppose we didn't have any other options, did we? Um, apart from Mishu, but you're right, we, we competed exceptionally and defensively. I mean, with a makeshift defence, I can't praise any of the lads higher enough. I don't think any one of them put a foot wrong. Yeah. And I think results like this, and again, this is going to be labelled as a Burnley reaction podcast, but like I said, there's not awfully that much to talk about. But results like this, you know, the Burnley game, even, you know, the performance against Sheffield United, again, I'm not going to say the result because the actual result wasn't a particularly good one, um, but you know the performance deserved a better result than we got there. Um, the result against Luton, the result against Norwich, <clears throat> it bodes well for. Let's be honest, I don't think playoffs are going to happen this season. We'll get onto that in a second, but don't it tell bodes well. That. <laughs> it, it bodes well for next season yeah. because you know you look at the team that that we started the season with, and you look at the the team that we have now. You know, there's no obviously no Dan Ballard. He's been missed for, missing for half the season, really. Dennis Serkin has been missing for quite a while. Elise ruled out for the season. Um, obviously, Niall Huggins, you know, whether we'd, he'd be in the first team or not, I'm not entirely sure. Obviously, he played that game against Birmingham, and I think that's probably a second appearance at the club, you know, since he signed um, last year. He's been missing the entire season. Corey Evans, you know, halfway through the season, picked up a season-ending injury. Embleton, the same. Ross Stewart missed... You know, he's played well, 13 games this season. Like, we've only had Ross Stewart for something like a quarter of the games, haven't we? Yeah, he's been missing. Ellis Sims, obviously, went, even when he was at the club, missed half the games through injury. He gets recalled in January. We don't sign a striker. Um, Pritchard been missing for a large part of the season. And this is all injuries to a team that finished fifth last season, get promoted, and the odds are against you to even stay in the division. But the fact that, albeit very minimal, we are in... April talking about potentially still being able to make the playoffs this season with all these injuries. If the recruitment team get it right next season, top six should be, uh, you know, a minimum, really. I agree. I agree with that. I think that 
to sort of rewind a bit, I think when we got promoted, I felt, I said at the start of this season, that I felt that it would be a five-year sort of plan to get back to the Premier League, because we all know that's where the club, without sounding arrogant, belongs, and that's where the club is more sustainable at in the top flight. However, I said five years because I, at the time, I felt that the Championship would be a huge step up from League One. Now, having watched the division, and, and this couples with everything you've just said that's gone against us, and we have to include Alex Neil leaving as well, because that could have derailed our yeah. season potentially, um, to be top half of the table, whether we finish top half, I don't know, but to basically, we're not going to get dragged into a relegation battle, you wouldn't think, yeah. unless we get to 18, 18 points clear, I think we are. Something like, I mean, Huddersfield won, hang on, so Huddersfield on 13, I think we're 15 points because Huddersfield won um, the other day. But yeah. either way, that's still a huge gap with what, is it seven games left? So really, yeah. we're not far off mathematically being confirmed as safe. I know Daniel, obviously, in the group chat was trying to make out the playoffs are going to happen. But for me, I agree with you. I think that, that I accepted weeks and weeks ago that that was probably not going to happen. Um, it's still a very, very effective, a very positive season. And I suppose you could argue the one frustration is had we gone out to not splash loads of money that we didn't need to, but go out to sign a forward in January, in addition to when we brought in Gellhart, I know he's got his detractors, but it just makes you think we could have gone for the playoffs this year. But as far as next season goes, to bring me back to my original point, I said five years at first. Now I honestly reckon I've chopped that. I've chopped a couple of years off that because I think yeah. this league isn't as good as what we... I think it's safe to say we felt this league would be better than it's proven to be. And yeah. I think next season, this is, the, this is the one area with the recruitment team that I think there's, there's been a lot of good work and I've made that clear in the past. But the striker thing has got to be resolved. If that's not resolved by the end of the next window, then criticism, they don't have a leg to stand on with that. But yeah. if they do get it right next year, I agree top six should be the minimum expectation because people can say whatever they want. Club size, I think, does make a difference. I think it does matter. And I think there's only so long Sunderland will be... I mean, this season, we're content with what's happened. Next season isn't so much a free hit. Next season, I, th- I, I think, think I think the best way to put it as well is the start of the season, very first, very first podcast we said, we did, we said that there's two games Sunderland are not the underdogs for. Which is we're going to bother them. Yeah. yeah, if I ask you the same question now... There'd probably be two or three games that Sunderland are underdogs for. And that just shows but, how far they have come since the start of the season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we would have been underdogs in pretty much every one of the last four games, which is fair enough. You know, Burnley, Burnley, we've played the top two. We've played Luton, who aren't far off second. And we've played Norwich, who are just outside the playoffs. So those games, fair enough. I agree that we would have been underdogs for them. I mean, if you look, this is, a, this is another testament, I suppose. If you look at our last seven fixtures, there's only really West Brom and Watford, who I would argue we're not favourites for. Um, and that in itself shows how well the team has done. Um, yeah. And... Again, as you said, with all of these injuries gone against us, with Alex Neal going, with Ellis Sims getting recalled, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things conspiring against you from the start. And we and it was it isn't just like everything's happened at once. It's literally happened throughout the whole season. How how often have we had a full strength eleven this season? I would argue maybe two months at most um, across the season that we've had a near full strength squad. Yeah. And you could argue that's the blame on the recruitment team for not planning for it. But at the same time, when you look at the amount of injuries we've had and at once as well. You can't plan for that. That's just completely unlucky. And I know any team can see it. But my goodness me, I'd, I'd be very hard-pressed to find a team that has had as much bad luck with injuries as what we have. As you said, Evans out for the season. Ross Stewart effectively out for the season, barring 10 games. Um, yeah. Dan Ballard out for a long time. Ella Sims out for a long time. Then we called. You know, it, it's just mental. So next season, yes, though, I agree. I think we need to have a better balance. I think we need to have, if we can get everything, if we can get the recruitment right, there is absolutely no reason why we can't push for the top six as a minimum because we're not far away as it is now. 
Yeah. And I suppose the one thing that you do have to be careful with is... As, a, as top On top of that, yes, OK, maybe he's not the most technically gifted player in the world, but as you said, he's got technical quality about him. If you look at the goal we scored at Rotherham, I think, he was the one who put the ball in for Gellhart. That's not a bad cross. He sprayed balls before um, across the pitch where it, it's got us going in an attack. So, yeah, Luke O'Neill, I've, I've, I've got very fond memories of him. But anyway, he's my second player, um, I think. Yeah. And again to be makeshift against a team that's top of the league and will go up winning the league at a canter as well. I think that says a lot. He got into Nathan Teller's head. If you remember, there was the occasion in the second half, I think it was, where yeah. the ball, go, the balls, where Nathan Teller was trying to get to the ball and Luke O'Neill basically shields it very well and he gets into his head. You can tell just watching the watching the um, camera angles back. Um, only disappointing for him is that he didn't kiss anyone. That was a bit of a letdown. Didn't. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll let him we'll let that one slide. Um, and obviously, number one, and I know Kyle and Daniel in particular are going to love this. Number one for me, a clear man of the match is Lyndon Gooch. Um, yeah. I think that it, everyone knows I've criticised him a lot going forward, and a lot of my criticism of him as a winger still remains. I think that I don't think his decision making is anywhere near consistently good enough to be in that position, especially not in the championship. However. When he's playing as a full-back or as a defender, I've got absolutely no problem with him being there. I ha- Even before the t- when the team was announced and Gooch was playing, I was actually quite happy about that because the industrious work rate he has, he looks like he's got a bit of muscle on him now as well. He's got pace. He's, yeah. he's a work ethic's excellent. And again, he was. I think it was him who was up against Nathan Teller for, more, for a lot of the game. And Nathan Teller is someone who I think scored 19 goals in 40 appearances for Burnley. Yeah. And for the most part, bar one or two occasions where Teller got past him, I thought Gooch got the better of him all game. Um, I think the fact it, it, some of the tackles he made were just, that, that were just last, last ditch ones was superb. I, that, that is one of the best performances I've ever seen from Lyndon Gooch. And I think for me, for him, I might have to adjust my own opinion of him a little bit because I do think he's got something to offer. Maybe not starting every week, but certainly as a squad player, I'll have no complaints whatsoever about him being there. But Lyndon Gooch, I don't know what you think, but for me, Bart third or nine second, and Gooch for me, clear man of the match. But a lot of nobody had below a seven out of ten if you're going to give ratings. Yeah, that is fair. Well, next game is Hull City on Friday after these run of games that we've had. I think it's fair to say you'd expect someone to win that. Um, Although this is the championship, I would want to point off. that out. It, it is. is. It is. And this is Sunderland. So, but. You know, I'm going to babble on a tiny little bit while I just get Sky Sports up and notice that Hull City are currently 17th, 48 points, six points behind Sunderland. Um, you know, you, there's still, what, seven games left. Sunderland are seven points from the playoffs. It's mathematically possible. Um, Let's put and... it this way, just to sort of cut in there. If you're going to look into the playoff conversation and the next four games... I think it's Hull at home. I think, I think, I think, I think you have and to win the rest of the games. Basically, what I was going to say, like the next four in particular, Hull, Cardiff, Birmingham and Huddersfield. And apart from Cardiff, they're all at the Stadium of Light. And the one thing that's sort of the biggest criticism is our home form hasn't been good enough, really. Um, and I do think we do need to improve that. If you're really still wanting to look at the playoffs, then you need to be getting at least 10 points out of these next four, maybe 12, so you could argue, just to give yourselves a chance. Um, yeah. I don't view it that way. But if you want to look at the playoffs, then... That's definitely something for me. The for me, the expectations adjusted to finishing top half now. I think if you yeah. get a top half finish, then I think that's a very good first season back. But yeah, just end the season only... strongly, really, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. That's what you want. You want this is these are the, the next seven games are where the likes of Pierre Equa needs to be playing, and where the likes of well, I was going to say, I was going to say Jason Bennett, but he's out injured now, isn't he? There's another one. He Even is. though he wasn't starting, but he's out injured. But these are the games where you want to give these guys first team exposure for next season when we're going to need to use them. But yeah. yeah. 
you know, it's a good Friday, and I think there'll be a lot of people. There'll be a lot of people that are going to be a bit merry because it's a, it's a five thirty kickoff, isn't it? It is a five thirty yeah, kickoff. A, yeah, that, that that that's my plan. So I mean, I don't drink, but I'll be going out into the pub and watching all the football and going to the game. But yeah, yeah no, yeah, that, it, this is a game that on paper you want to win. I mean, if you're capable of going to Burnley and getting a draw, then you're definitely capable of beating Hull at home. But as we know, Sunderland and the Championship don't work like that. Yeah. Well, we'll see whether it's a good Friday or not. Predictions based. <laughs> Do you think it's going to be a good Friday? I'm going to say Jack Dross special one all. Um, oh, by the way, announced Newcastle's academy getting one one draws now. I've said that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no, I think it'll be a one all draw. I think Hull are actually a competitive, solid side, and I think those type of teams we tend to struggle against at home. Um, hmm. One thing I will say, just quickly to mention the referees. You notice how the referee was constantly telling us to hurry up when we were wasting time against yeah. Burnley. It won't happen. If, if, Don't the worry same, about that. If, if the referees do not do exactly the same thing again for Hull on Friday, then it proves my point that the officials are just even more awful than we've said they are already. But yeah, I think one-one, which wouldn't be terrible. But if you, if you, you know, I think at home I'd like to see us get a few more, get a couple of wins at home between now and the end of the season and set a platform for next year. Yeah. Well, we'll see. That is Friday five-thirty kickoff. I think it's on Sky Red Button. I think. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. Anyway. We'll have a podcast out, hopefully, some point over that weekend to talk about that game. And, of course, look ahead to the next game, which off the top of my head, I have no idea who it is. It's away at Cardiff. There we go. Always knew you could come in with that one. Cardiff away. I'm just sad. That's why I know that stuff. <laughs> Cardiff away after Hull. Like I say, obviously, I have another podcast after that as well. Um, but until then, we will see you later. That's all, folks.